0: Merry Christmas once again, Uh, so honored that you are with us. Uh, We're gonna be uh, in Luke's Gospel, Chapter 2, in just a moment, and then in Colossians 1. If you have your Bibles and you wanna get ready for that, if not, you can follow along on the screen. We are gonna start super- traditional tonight, you, you're you coming to Action Church, you're expecting anything but traditional. We sang some carols, we got candlelight. We're going to Luke chapter two, straight out of the gate. You're thinking, there's nothing traditional about those pants you're wearing, but they're my Christmas pants and I love them. I love these pants as much as most of you hate the song, Christmas Shoes, and so I just, I want you to know that I love Christmas pants and I love Christmas shoes. In fact, I wanna buy these shoes. For my mama, please. See, what I really think is that I was this close to making the trio. Like, Darwin just barely beat me out. Like, there was a couple of notes I just couldn't quite get to. Thank God that our God doesn't demand perfection like our worship team does. Luke chapter 2, verse 1, everybody. Luke chapter 2. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancee, who was now obviously pregnant. Let's pause for a second. Guys, never accuse a woman of being obviously pregnant. Luke did it, but he was inspired and empowered by the Holy Spirit. He got a free pass. You will not. You look great, babe, can't even tell that you're pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for a baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but an angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find him wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those whom God has pleased. When the angels had returned uh, to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph And there was a baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened, what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart, thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. That is the, the Christmas story. And God is, is infinitely powerful. It can do anything He wants. And, and, I, and I believe that. I know that to be theologically true. But just track me for a minute. I, I think there's some reasons that Jesus could not enter humanity in 2020. I think there's some reasons that it happened a couple thousand years ago. We start with this story there was a census that went out. And if the census went out today, nobody would fill it out. Like, they just stay where they were. Like, there are two pieces of mail that scare me, a census and a jury summons. Both of those, I'm like, I think, I know it's illegal, but I think I wanna throw it away. I'm not sure I can trust the government with my information. Anybody else, I'm not saying I actually throw it away, calm down. 2020, it wouldn't have worked, because they said you had to go to the man's hometown, and half the population would be super offended that you had to go to the man's hometown. What happened to the woman's hometown? Does she not matter? That's funny. I've done this six times. You're the problem. You're definitely the problem. They wouldn't have had a place to stay. All the hotels were booked. It would be like a Disney pre COVID. You have to get an Airbnb or a VRBO, which is actually Verbo. I just found out that this week, like vacation rental by owner, they call it Verbo. Like somebody missed it. It really is VRBO. Like you, just personal preference for me. But the reviews would have been awful. If they, if they stayed, the, the manger was dirty. There were animals there. Can you imagine the one star review that Joseph and Mary would have given their Verbo when it was a manger? Here's a big question that I really think needs to answer. Would they or would they not vaccinate Jesus? I think that's a really big thing. I think that's a really big thing. I think it's a really deal. I mean, because he's the perfect son of God, so obviously he doesn't need it, but but education's important. If he's gonna go to school, in elementary school, he probably needs to be vaccinated, so I just don't know where they would've landed on that. It's tough, and swaddling, I don't know if you've read the mom blogs, but there's a lot of different opinions on how to swaddle, like what if Jesus rolls over and they kill the son of God? First off, the wise men, would, the wise men wouldn't even be in this story, because they would have shipped those gifts. Amazon Prime, two days, guaranteed. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff Bezos. Bezos. Hey, let's go to the nativity scene. Uh, uh, how many of you have a nativity scene in your, in, in your home right now? How many of you have two nativity scenes? How many of you have more nativity scenes than people in your home right now? I've been to your house, and it's a little bit weird. Like, you've kind of made it, you've kind of made it a thing, and uh just, you're, you're one of those people. You love you some Christmas, that's okay. And what I love about nativity scenes is they're, they're all different types, they're all different kinds. You've got some lit in the front yard, you've got inflatable, you've got wooden ones like we have here, uh, you have uh, little figurines, you have all different types of, of things going on on a nativity scene. And I think that's symbolic this evening because so many of us are, are coming from so many different walks of life, different stories, different pasts, different backgrounds. There's, there's different things that make up. Our story, there's different pieces, there are different materials, but what's the, the focus and the central theme of a nativity is, is Jesus in a manger, that Jesus is the center of every nativity, and, and, and I'm here tonight to, to hopefully, my goal is that Jesus is the center of not just the nativities in our living rooms and our mantles and in our homes and our front yard. He's not just the center of our 4 p.m. Christmas service that we, we check off a list. He's not just the center of our, of our Christmas season, but that he really is the, the center of our lives, that there's really nothing else you can build your life on securely, other than a relationship with Jesus. I love how Colossians one says it. And I want to read out of the message paraphrase. It says, We look at this Son and see the God who cannot be seen. That's that's Jesus. We look at the Sun and see God's original purpose in everything He created. That that's where we find our purpose. I, I need you to hear that this evening. That without Jesus, there, there is no purpose. There is no no meaning. The only thing that has eternal value is a relationship with Jesus and then the things that you build upon that relationship. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. That that he is the author, he is the initiator and the perfecter of, of our faith. He was there before any of it came into existence and he holds it all together right up into this moment. If you feel like your life, if you feel like your story, if you feel like your world is falling apart, maybe if you put Jesus at the center of it, he could, he could hold it all together. Like he holds it, he holds it all together. But what I wanna talk about today is I wanna talk about what would keep us. Like that is the answer, like it's really simple. You're like, is this gonna get more complicated? No, like Jesus should be the center of your life. He, he's, before you, he's after you, he, he's holding everything together, that's obvious. But what I want to talk about is what would keep you and what would keep me from making Jesus the, the center of our life. And I, I want to use the characters in this nativity scene to, to talk about what we replace Jesus with. The first thing, let's take Jesus out of the middle, because the, the first thing that, that we replace it with is we replace it, i write this down, with our priorities, we replaced it with our priorities, and I'll put the animals in the middle because some of you have made your pet your priorities, and that's weird. Oh, man. I'm offending all the dog people. The cat people are pretending to be offended, but they don't really even like their cats, so. <laughs> no, you know, you, like, you know who you are. Like, it's, like, you have a camera for your dog, you have a bag for your dog. Like, your dog, it's, like, Jesus loves your dog, but he didn't die for it, like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, man, this is so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's coming back. Uh, no, but seriously, we, we, we prioritize other things over, over Jesus. It could be your pets. The animals are in the middle of this nativity scene because they, they're representing our, our priorities, our pets. Come on, some of us have, have kids that act like animals. Come on, come on, be honest, parents. You're like, no, I love my kids. Yeah, but you hate them sometimes, too. You know, like, they're just, they, but we prioritize our kids, they're academics, they're athletics. We, we run ourselves ragged chasing them, prioritizing their life and their preference over the things of God, over, over healthy decisions. Like we, we put them in the middle of it. Our hobbies, our businesses, our spouses. All good things, like, like I love a good cow and sheep, like I love a good pet, I got, I'm glad the animals are a part of it. The animals are a part of the story, but it's weird if the nativity scene gathers and centralizes around the animals. So of your priorities are good, but if we build our lives around everything but Jesus, will always be unfulfilled. Good things, your pets, your kids, your spouse, your hobbies, good things above the God thing makes even the best of things an idol. So they should be in the nativity. They should be in the story, but they're not the focus. And we prioritize the wrong thing. We take Jesus out of the center and we wonder, we wonder why our relationships are unfulfilled. It's because we're trying to rely on somebody else to fill the need that only Jesus can fill. Like they can't, they can't be at the they can't be at the center. I would have gotten a bigger, I would have gotten a bigger applause had I not talked about people's dogs, Pastor Eddie. Yeah, the dogs over the line, cut that for the 6 p.m. Not cutting it, it's an idol. Let's go to the second one, we, we make it about our priorities. The second one, we, we, make it, we make it about our resources. Let's put the wise man in the middle, and we'll use the one that's really humble, he's kneeling, we'll, we'll use him for our example. That we make it about our resources. And just a little theological reference, we don't know that there were three wise men, there were three gifts, it's, it's not uh, determined how many uh, wise men there were, and this is not a, a, a gender superiority thing, there probably were some wise women around too, they just weren't in the story. And so. Really? All that work to be creative and you just miss it. Man, it's a shame. It's a shame. We put our resources, we, we put our resources above our relationship with God. We focus on what we have. Or maybe we focus on what we don't have. And either way, it becomes the, the, the focus of our life. And I think this, this season Since March or so has really exposed us that we we found security in some things that were we're pretty insecure. There were some things that our resources, our our safety, our what we could protect ourselves from. Like, as long as we've got these things, we're we're good. But what we've been shown is that we're not really in as much control as we thought we were. And this resources at the center of our life have become a little, a little shaky. Can't prioritize our resources. The wise men came to give gifts, to, to give resources to honor Jesus, not to, to hold. Our resources are not a reward for us to hoard, but they're a provision to continue the mission of, of Jesus. Like God wants you to have resources, but he wants you to have resources so that you can utilize them, not worship them. We make it about our priorities. We make it about our resources. The third one, let's, let's talk about the shepherds for a moment. We make it about our performance or our identity. And I apologize that we are theologically incorrect with our nativity, it is shepherds, plural. You read that correctly, but COVID hit us hard too. We can only afford one shepherd, <laughs> apparently. Or somebody broke it in a previous service. I don't know, I'm sorry, sir, you're lonely. The shepherd would represent a, an identity problem that, that a shepherd it would be a performance, somebody that has to perform for approval, because the shepherd would have been an outcast in society, almost less than human, would not have been allowed in restaurants or public places, would have been thought of as, as poor and, and least of these dirty, smelly. You're, you're, the, you're the ones that, that hang out with the sheep. Like, you don't belong around people. That's, what, that's all they would have been known for. No education, nothing else to offer. You watch the sheep. You are a shepherd with a label. They've been fighting for approval, fighting for affirmation, fighting for respect. And too many of us have removed Jesus from the center because we're finding our identity and our performance. Wow that I've gotta perform enough so that I can feel better about myself. We, we see this in the holiday season. Come on, every family has this. It's usually, usually a mom or grandmom, but it could be a, a dad or a granddad. It's the person that is super excited about Christmas. When you've got that, like they are a holiday person. Like the gifts are wrapped, the, the, the wrapping paper is themed. It is ready in October. They skip Halloween and Thanksgiving. And if I am just wanna really be honest, I have a problem that everybody skips Thanksgiving. Like We're not grateful for, for what we should be grateful for because that food is good. But we had this Christmas mom or grandmom or dad or granddad, and they're up at 5 a.m. They've got a plan for the whole day. Like, we're baking at 5 a.m., and then this is going in, and then we're gonna open gifts, and then we're gonna have brunch, and then we're all gonna sit around and watch this, and then we're gonna sing carols, and we're gonna get hot chocolate. And nobody seems to be as excited as they are. And it begins to turn at about 1 or 2 in the afternoon where they become the most excited to the most angry. They're like, nobody cares about me. Nobody loves Christmas like I love Christmas. I just wanted us to be a family family, you ruined Christmas, no grandma, you ruined Christmas. We were all having a great time, so you went crazy on us. It's because we're striving, like if everybody's pleased and everybody's giving me approval and everybody's excited, they're making me feel better. We have this void on the inside that we're fighting for identity and we're fighting for performance. We're fighting to to measure up and make everybody else be okay because we have something missing. What's missing is Jesus. You've been trying to measure up. You've been fighting to be seen and to be heard, but I'm here to tell you, you're never gonna measure up. You will always fall short. When you stand on what you can do, when I stand on what I can do, we always fall short. We're performing but the performance is over. Jesus performance gives us something to stand on. And if you stand on Jesus performance, you will never fall short again. Like that is something you can build your life on. We make it about our priorities, we make it about our resources, we make it about our identity, our performance. The last one, the last one is we make it about our feelings. We make it about our feelings. I want to put Mary and Joseph in the middle here for for a moment together because when we, when we read stories in the Bible, I know I have a habit, I'm sure you do as well, we read them so much, like, like Luke 2 really happened. It's not fictional. We didn't gather here to recite a fictional story, which means there were real people. Mary and Joseph were real people, real man, real woman, just like you and me. So we think, oh, that's so awesome, like Mary and Joseph, that's so cute. I look at it, like they raised Jesus, like look at the story, Luke 2, and it's all like kind of religious and tradition. They were living a nightmare. Can you imagine Mary in her late teens, visited by an angel of the Lord? That seems pretty scary to me. And who was she gonna tell? Hey, an angel visited me last night, told me I was gonna be the mother or the son of God. His name was Gabriel. I thought you were weird, Mary, until you named the angel. You need a freedom group. Think, think you have a problem. Can you imagine the, the heaviness of responsibility when she said, me? Once she got over the weight of responsibility, can you imagine the fear that came over her when she realized that she was gonna be pregnant, but that she was a virgin, and she had to tell her fiance? Hey, Joe, I'm pregnant, but it's God's son. I always think that's a little bit of a ridiculous excuse. Sure, Mayor. Good story. The fear that she could have been stoned to death for being unfaithful. She had real feelings. Joseph, finding out that his wife was unfaithful, fiance unfaithful, decided to divorce her privately so that she would not face punishment. Like, real people with real feelings, but they, they made a decision, they made a choice to push past their feelings and push into God's purpose. And what they show us is how to live through a tough season that we don't understand. See, feelings, feelings are great indicators in our life, but they are terrible decision makers. We cannot put the the feelings and the emotions at the center of our life because they will lie to us. There are so many things that God is calling you and me to do that we will never feel like doing. How can you say that? Because Jesus expressed that. Jesus didn't feel like dying for you and for me. Go back to the Garden of Gethsemane, abandoned by his his closest friends. The book of Hebrews declares that we do not serve a high priest that does not know what we're going through. In fact, he felt every human emotion. He felt abandonment and loneliness, and he stood there crying out to his dad, Father, If it be your will, let this cup pass from me. He's sweating blood and agonizing over his feelings. I don't want to do this. But I thank God that Jesus didn't choose his feelings. He chose me. And he chose you. We have a choice today to continue to put other things at the center or to invite him to be the center of our life. That Jesus is gonna be the center of my priorities. He's not just gonna be on the table. He's not just gonna be on the list. He's gonna be the list. To take the next step, He's not just gonna be the list. He's gonna be the filter (laughs) in which I see everything else through. That Jesus is gonna be the center of my resources. That they're gonna make sense now because they're gonna have a purpose. That Jesus is gonna be the center of my identity, that I'm no longer gonna, gonna search to be fulfilled by other things and other people because I'm gonna find my identity and his performance. That I'm gonna put Jesus back at the center where my feelings are no longer mastering me. You know, before we put Jesus back at the center, what if we just took him off the table altogether? Like without Jesus, this is a really weird group of people. We just got some randos hanging out in the barn Some animals over there playing, eating, got a lonely shepherd. Mary and Joseph, unwed mother, soon to be single mom, struggling the rest of her life, find purpose to make people understand. Without Jesus, her life doesn't make any sense. Without Jesus at the center of this, Joseph is insecure, he's afraid, never gonna trust again. Some of you are walking in bitterness and shame and guilt, unforgiveness, because Jesus isn't a part of your story. And I'm not trying to be the bear of bad news, but you're never gonna get over it without Jesus. It happened, and it will continue to haunt you until you give it to Jesus. We can't truly love, forgive, extend grace until we've received that forgiveness and grace that Jesus has given us. Without Jesus, we've got three weird old guys stalking a young couple. (laughs) Just in the front yard with some weird gifts. You know what? Your gifts and passions and talents will always seem weird. You'll never know where you fit in until you find Jesus. But it's amazing how much more your life makes sense when your gifts can be given to him. Gives you purpose. Gives you meaning. Yes. Gives you fulfillment. So in a crazy world, in a crazy year, where we don't have control of much. The goodness of the gospel is you do have a choice. And that choice could be to remove what you've replaced Jesus with and to put him at the center of your life and your story. And your life and your eternity will never be the same. So let's do this, right where you are. If you could bow your head and close your eyes. Come on, online as well, wherever you're watching from. I wanna be really clear, you're making a choice tonight to surrender your life to the lordship and the leading of, of Jesus Christ, starting a relationship with him. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the perfect son of God. Lived 33 years on this earth, born in a manger dying on a cross, but his life is important, it has significance, because you and I are unholy people, we are sinners. We make mistakes, we fall short the standard that God has set. So there had to be a sacrifice, there had to be a substitute, that was Jesus. It's important that he lived a perfect life for you and for me, because he had to die as you and as me in our place. And on the cross, the greatest exchange that's ever happened, happened our sin for his righteousness. So, God the Father no longer sees you and me as we are, he sees us as he sees Jesus, perfect and blameless. The cross gives us access to mercy and grace, forgiveness and salvation. The gospel doesn't stop there, the central figure of our faith is not in a grave, he's risen from the dead. And the resurrection gives us power over sin that through the Holy Spirit, we can live differently. And it gives us power over the grave, that death has lost its sting, that death is no longer the end. In fact, it's the beginning of eternity in the presence of God. All that is possible with you and I making a choice to follow Jesus. How do we do that? The book of Romans declares that if we will confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he is Lord. And we believe that the power of the living God raised Jesus from the dead, that we can, we can be saved. What if you did that today? You made Jesus the Lord of your life. You said, Jesus is gonna be the center of my story from here on out. For some of you in this room and worshiping online, it's for the first time ever. You stumbled across this feed on on Facebook, you found us on YouTube, somebody invited you in this room and and God had an appointment with you tonight. Today is your day of salvation. Others of you, you've attended church, you've walked aisles, you've prayed prayers, you've raised your hand. But if you're really honest, one of these four things has gotten in the way, and you've replaced Jesus. He's a part of your story, but he is not the center. But tonight, through recommitment, you're saying, God, I'm putting you at the center again. I'm making a decision to surrender to you. I wanna know who I'm praying with in this room and online as well. If that's you today, say, Pastor Justin, I, I want Jesus to be the center of my life. For some of you, for the first time, some of you, it's a recommitment. Jesus at the center of my life. Would you raise your hand right where you are and say, I need Jesus in my life. I need Jesus in my marriage. I need Jesus to supersede my priorities and, and my resources. I am making Jesus the center of my story. You got hands up all over the room. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, yeah, eight, nine, ten. probably 12 to 15 on the floor in the stadium, I see you. Come on, a couple more moments. I want Jesus to be the center. I'm, I'm removing some things, I'm making room for Jesus in my life, come on. Online right now, come on, you're sitting in your car, you're gathered around in the living room, in the kitchen, but God is speaking to you. proud of you. Put your hands down in this room. Pray this in your heart as I pray out loud, say this, say, God, I love you, and God, I thank you for saving me. I acknowledge that I am a sinner, and I'm saved only by your grace. And I am confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that you are the Lord and I'm giving you that place today, complete and total control. God, have your way in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now God, I pray for all of us. God, I pray that you would change us, you would shape us, you would mold us and that you would remove anything from us that is not from you. That we would place you firmly at the center of our lives and of our stories. We love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen and Amen. Church, can we celebrate the dozens of decisions that just happened? I am so